Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, August 10, 2021. Could it be actual bipartisan compromise in Congress? A $1 trillion infrastructure bill is set to move through the Senate today with support from both Republicans and from Democrats. The package of spending on roads, bridges, utilities, public transit, and broadband internet was hammered out by a group of senators, even as the president's own bipartisan efforts fell short. So is it the start of a new era in Washington? Um, no. After Senate passage of the so-called traditional infrastructure bill, the standard partisan divide is poised to return in force. Senate Democrats are looking to push a $3.5 trillion spending plan to fight climate change and provide more funding for health care, child care, and education. They won't get any Republican support, so they will need perfect unanimity among the 50 senators who caucus with the Democrats. David Dulio, a political science professor from Oakland University in suburban Detroit, said that puts the attention on two senators, Democrats from conservative states, to support or kill the bill that is central to Joe Biden's ambitious agenda. We reached Dulio in northern Michigan. David Dulio, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's good to join you. Please set the stage for us in Washington right now. There's this bipartisan infrastructure bill that looks poised to pass the Senate. That's the the traditional spending on roads and bridges and such. And then there's the much larger package that Democrats want to get through the budget reconciliation process. And that's where really a lot of the spending that could directly affect the auto industry lies, right? Correct. The first bill that's going to move through the process is one that has been brokered by a bipartisan group of senators uh, roughly 10 on each side of the aisle negotiated with the White House that that I would qualify as more sort of quote unquote traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, um, that sort of thing. And the second piece, as you mentioned, is going to be pushed through uh, the via the budget reconciliation process, which means it will be able to pass uh, with only, the support of all 50 Democrats in the Senate, plus a tie-breaking vote should it be needed by Vice President Kamala Harris. That bill is much larger, about three and a half times as big in terms of dollars as the first one, and the uh, which is at about a trillion. So the second one's going to be, uh, as, at least as it is now, uh, about three and a half trillion that includes many more things than simply what I again, what I would qualify as traditional infrastructure, and in in that are things that can be um, tied to the auto industry, included uh, electric vehicles, batteries, and those sorts of things. Yeah, the uh, push for half a million more public charging stations and uh, uh, renewal of EV tax credits, lots of lots of goodies for the industry. So, you know, that's last week, right, President. Biden had uh, signed an executive order uh, aiming for 50 percent 
electric vehicles, or I guess also plug-in hybrids uh, by 2030 for the U.S. market. Automakers, or at least the the Detroit three, uh, were there with the UAW and and pledged to hope to try to get to at least 40% electrics if there's sufficient government support. Was that really about trying to you know rally some of this congressional support for that second infrastructure bill? You know, I, I don't think if it was, I think it was misdirected because the, the support that is going to be needed for Democrats to pass that, um, I, they're not going to get any Republican votes. Uh, so so I think if they're trying to, to bring some Republicans along, um, that's not the path. If it they really have to worry about two senators, Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kristen Sinema from Arizona. And I'm not so sure that Joe Manchin isn't going to be big on electrification of vehicles because he's comes from West Virginia. It's a coal state, right? I mean, there's, and and not that that has much to do with, with the auto industry, but it's just as, you know, where, where are Joe Manchin's, uh, where's, where's his focus, right? Where's his, where, where is his bread buttered? And it's not with more electrification of, of anything, quite frankly. Um, You know, and I think too, it, it should be noted that, there was this executive order signed, but it, it really carries no weight. I mean, it, it doesn't um, require or, or, or mandate that that these uh, goals be reached. It was really more of a rhetorical uh, encouragement than anything. That's uh, absolutely, absolutely uh, not, not nothing guaranteed, no teeth in it. But he did then outline, or his administration did outline some you know, fuel economy improvements that would uh, need to be baked in to that. What's the process? Is there still a, there's still a full rulemaking process to that? It doesn't, uh, that isn't a definite plan for where it's, uh, where that's going to, to talk about 52 miles per gallon by uh, 2026. As I read it, that I, I would say, yes, that, that there's no guarantees behind that, right? We have to always go back when we always have to go back to statute. Uh, when we're talking about these sorts of things, right? And, and um, if memory serves, it's the the Clean Air Act and uh, some of the amendments to that that um, have been passed in recent years that are going to be a focus there. There may be some other legislation as well, but if, if Congress has something on the books, an executive order or even um, uh, other executive actions can't override that. Let's go back to the two senators. Uh, so it's funny, you know, that uh, the coal-focused senator would be anti-EV at least on one level because we do burn coal to make electricity. Yeah, that's a fair uh, point. That's a as fair opposed point. to you know an oil state, you know, senator. <laughs> what might he want, or what might help get his support and and Senator Cinema's, you know, behind that big uh, that big three and a half trillion dollar package? What's in it for their state? <laughs> That's usually the way these right. things go, right? Is that, that there's some horse trading that happens. I, and I think that that a, a big hurdle is that both of them have in, in the last uh, several months, and, and, and you certainly know uh, how things can change in Washington, right? They can change on a dime. Uh, and cinema has been more vocal about this more recently, but the price tag of the whole thing has given them pause. Uh, and that comes from, from their... Uh, middle of the road, at least relatively speaking, 
uh, nature in the Democratic Party. Yeah, no, it's very it's very challenging. Uh, I'm sure to be a Democratic senator from a mostly Republican state. Uh, you know, that's uh, certainly a different a different political calculus than somebody from California or New York. We'll be back for more with David Dulio after this. Innovation, resilience, agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. The thing about the meeting last week and the event last week, uh, you know, many listeners will recall when leaders of every major automaker, except VW, if I remember correctly, uh, gathered at the White House with President Obama uh, to agree on a roadmap for achieving the average fuel economy of 54.5 miles per gallon. Uh, there are some similarities between the two events, but some key differences. And uh, to me, you know, one of the big ones was that this was really just the UAW and its automakers. So could you explain for us, you know, kind of why is the UAW such a key priority for Biden and what does he have to do to maintain its support? Sure. Well, as you know, the UAW and unions in general have been a key constituency for the Democratic Party and uh, for decades, right? And along with that, they have delivered votes for Democratic candidates at all levels, from the President of the United States at the top of the ticket all the way down the ballot. The UAW has contributed through its PACs, have has contributed uh, to Democratic candidates. They have had their members uh, volunteer for candidates and and do uh, what campaign folks would call field work, right? Get out the vote efforts, voter contact, uh, you name it. And and UAW supported entities have been engaged in them. What may be behind the, the difference between the event that you described in the Obama administration and this one now that was sole solely focused on UAW is the fact that in the 2016 and in the 2020 elections, uh, Donald Trump garnered uh, a lot of votes from a lot of union workers. So this might be the Biden administration's attempt to uh, say, hey, look, we haven't forgotten about you folks. You're really important to us. And, and oh, by the way, you're the only ones that we're having at the at the White House here for this uh, for this event. Yeah, well, because it's about the only uh, Democrat, I don't, shouldn't say it's Democratic affiliated, but effectively they are, right? I mean, uh, and and they're like the only left-leaning organization that is not really all in on EVs, right? They're very worried about, you know, while investors at least used to be worried about the lack of profitability on EVs, uh, Investors are 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 all excited about EVs, but the UAW continues, you know, to be really wary that there might not be as many jobs that are needed, uh, and that not enough of them would be unionized jobs. Uh, the UAW president Ray Curry was at the event. He said the union 
uh, was really focused on preserving wages and benefits that have been, as he called it, the heart and soul of the American middle class. Uh, that is a that is a real hurdle for Democrats trying to, you know, bring about this massive change in the industry to perhaps fifty percent EVs. Uh, no doubt, and I think that that is, you know, when we when we go from the 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 sort of thirty thousand foot level or the organizational level down to the and we, it, it trickles down into behavior of, of, of maybe those members, right, where um, they look at that and say, OK, look, th- you know, here's this Democratic Party that is pushing something that even our our, our leadership is saying isn't going to be good for us. Maybe I'll vote Republican. Yeah, I mean, that's so that's uh, they're trying to trying to keep those people in the in the Democratic fold, I guess, by at least a- acknowledging it. So one of the interesting, you know, um, decisions left in this legislative process. Uh, The president repeated and endorsed Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow's proposal to renew the EV tax credit, $7,500 per car, and to also include add-ons of $2,500 for EVs that are made in the U.S. and an additional $2,500 for those that are made by the UAW. Are those elements that really have a chance of making it into the final bill or is that something that could be a a chit to trade with with senators? Maybe a would would uh, with a senator like Manchin or somebody like that. I think at this point, everything is probably on the table, right? I mean, to for that, I, I don't think that this is something that would pass um, by itself, right? And anything like this is going to have to get put into that uh, reconciliation bill, um, and and it. You know who knows what the what the discussions and uh, are like in the White House or on the Hill. Uh, who knows what kind of horse trading we're gonna we're gonna see as as this as the last details get put together. So we saw we saw the images of the president signing a piece of paper. Uh, that does not mean that the that the story is over. Oh, I, not at all. I, I think it's uh, as you said, right? He lent his support to the proposal that, that Senator Stabenow has, has put out there, but, um, you know, and, and what that does, right, is, is put them on the side of a, uh, of that issue, right. Uh, put them on a particular side of that issue, right. They are advertising their position on that. They are saying to, to, uh, constituents, organizations, et cetera, Hey, here, you know, our support is behind this, whether or not they can, they can, uh, turn that into legislation and law is, is a whole other question. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but uh, it's been such a great, uh, great opportunity to chat with you and, uh, and to get your thoughts on, on the process <laughs> and the politics. Yeah. Uh, David Dulio, thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Jamie. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for August 10. For the latest news on the auto industry, type in autonews.com. And for a complete catalog of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. Thanks for listening.